is time. The time has come. These words ring true for us tonight because it is time. The right time has come for a Savior to be born. He is our Messiah, Christ the Lord. It's time. Those words we use in all sorts of ways, and tonight I pray that they would take on a whole new meaning, and that your concept of time and what's important in this time right now, in this brief time we have together tonight, would actually have an impact far longer than this time right here, right now. Before we jump into this tonight, I would be remiss if I just went on and pretended uh, that all of this just happens by accident. We have an incredibly talented church family here at Hope, particularly here at Hope Des Moines. I would put our worship band up against anyone. Uh, Jesus Jones played that song. I, they, they, they covered it uh, pretty well, and uh, we are so thankful to have them here every single week uh, with that quality of music and uh, all the different artists and designers and video make, videographers that we have making these videos, all coming from within our church community here at Hope. Not to mention uh, Sarah Burrier, local artist uh, from our church family here, one of the many artists and painters uh, that we have that has artwork around the building. I simply asked Sarah tonight to paint whatever God lays on her heart uh, as an act of worship to bring glory to God. Some people worship through singing, others through the instruments in the band, and Sarah is an incredible artist. And so I am giving you permission. You've never heard a preacher say that before, but I'm giving you permission to not pay attention to me tonight if you find that a little bit more interesting and you can worship in that way. God is doing incredible things through her, and be sure to check that out at the end of the service as well. Not to mention not just the folks in front of the scenes, but the people behind the scenes as well, the people that greeted you uh, out in the parking lots that, that welcomed you on the way in, that sang to you uh, on the way in and welcomed you, got you your bulletin and your hot drink and your cookie tonight, and all the people that make uh, our facility and this church a warm, welcoming, hospitable place. Can we just thank all the volunteers that helped out with the service tonight? Praise God. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. It's time. It's time. It's time for something big to happen. Those were the words that just came pounding at us in that movie. And you can tell this theme is in so many of the stories and particularly the movies that we love. Even the epic thriller, Dumb and Dumber, made it into the video cut somehow. But it's time. It's time. It's time for something big to happen. And it's not just in the films, the, the movies, the stories that we love. Those words ring true because they're how we live our lives as well. They probably maybe bring you back to all sorts of moments in your life as well. Maybe for some of you waiting in that lobby for your first job interview and there you are sitting and you're twiddling your thumbs and you're nervous and your heart is pounding and then the receptionist comes out and says, okay, it's time. It's time for you to come and interview. Or for some of you, maybe you've been, uh, ladies have been waiting outside the back doors of a church with your dad and maybe a wedding coordinator comes up and whispers in your ear, it's time. Or you're the poor sap like me that's standing up in front of the church on the stage, completely losing it and bawling his eyes out as your best man whispers in your ear, it's time. There's no turning back now. It's time. It's time. For some of you, those words you think of, others of you that are moms and dads can so vividly remember the, the contractions getting closer and closer, and you hear your wife scream the words, okay, honey, I think it's time, and you know what 
to do, right? And if you are a calm, collected uh, father like I was the first time that this happened for us, you say, oh, dear honey, everything is going to be okay. And you calmly and collectively gathered your belongings and drove 20 miles an hour to the hospital. Nice. No, wasn't that way for you? No, because when it's time to go, it's time to go. When it's go time, it is go time. For some of you, the memory about its time was about an hour ago as you raced around the house trying to gather everybody in your family up, particularly those of you with young kids trying to wrangle them and get clothes on them and get out the door and get here on time. And let me just say for some of you, and I'm right there with you, young families with young kids, it is a Christmas miracle that you are here and everybody in your family has clothes on and nobody's bleeding. Amen? Praise God that you're here. We love little kids. We love squeaky voices and cries because it's a sign of life and it's a sign of a growing church and you are here. So no matter what age or shape your life is in tonight, turn to the person next to you right now and say, I am so glad that you are here. Just let them know that right now. I am so glad that you are here. It's time. The moment is here. It's time for some of you, those words, and maybe a less humorous sense, but in a very, very important sense, those words, you remember the time when the God of the universe broke into your life. You can remember the time when you felt that whisper, when you felt that gentle nudge of this person that you've come to know as the Holy Spirit, that it is close to you as your own skin call you and say it's time to put the past in the past. It's time to slow down. It, it's time to understand and discover what real life is all about. It's, it's time. It's time to open your heart to this message tonight. Because sometimes the best time in life is right here, right now. And that could not be truer of our Christmas story that we heard read tonight. In Luke chapter 2, we arrive on the scene and we're just thrust into this story that we know so well. Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee and Judea to Bethlehem in the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. And we skip ahead in the story and it says, while they were there, get this, the time had come. The it was time for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. You see, Scripture says very directly and intentionally, the time had come. This was no accident. For any God-fearing Jew that's hearing this news through the grapevine, they didn't have the Bible, they were the Bible. They were living the story as word spread throughout the region as they're hearing this. This is no accident that a Savior had been born at this time in this way because for hundreds and thousands of years, prophecies just like this one by the prophet Isaiah had been spoken about this night. It's no accident that you're here, we say. It's no accident that Christmas happened exactly the way it did. Hundreds of years ago, the prophet Isaiah said, for us, a child is born. A son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. From the view of God's people that have been waiting uh, hundreds, thousands of years, this probably seemed like an eternity waiting. But the birth of Jesus Christ at this moment in history, it was planned. 
it was deliberate. We've talked about, if you've been around these last few weeks, and if you haven't, you're more than welcome to come on back next week. We'd love to have you. We're going to be here. We're still open in January uh, as well, and we'd love to have you. In the last few weeks, we've been talking through the season of Advent about the different concepts of time in Scripture. We've been talking about how sometimes the English language doesn't quite match up with the original Greek language, the Koine Greek that the, uh, the, the Gospels and this part of the Christmas story were written in. It wasn't written in English. Did you know that? Sorry to burst your bubble about that, and it didn't happen in the United States. It happened in the Middle East, and it was written in Greek, and so our words for time and the Greek words for time don't match up. When we think of time, we think time has a start and time has an end, and it, it's a duration of time, and that's the Greek word chronos. Everybody say chronos. chronos. All right, you're a smart bunch. Awesome. But when we read the Christmas story, and there's a few selective times in Scripture that the Greek word used for time is not chronos, it's kairos. Everybody say kairos. kairos. Kairos is not necessarily a duration of time, but we read scholars say this, it is an appointed time, a specific time, and I love this. They say a time that creates a sense of urgency and demands decisive action. When's the last time in your life you felt a sense of urgency? Well, that was Christmas. That was the way that the writers chose to say this, a, a moment when in the midst of your ordinary life, in your chronos life, a kairos moment happens. God breaks in, and kairos is used so sparingly in Scripture, scholars say, because it was only designated for those times that were extremely urgent, like grab you by the shirt collar and look you in the face and say, there is nothing more important right in here, right now, than what I'm about to tell you. That the God of the universe just broke in to human history as an infant, as a helpless baby born to a 14, 15-year-old girl placed in a feeding trough for cattle. And that baby is our Savior. Kairos moments, like it's time, like urgent moments, like it's time to go to the hospital, like it's time to walk down the aisle, like it's time to go put the ring on that person's finger, like it's time for God to break into your life. Later on, the Apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter 4, he's talking about the time before this baby showed up. Sometimes we just buzz right into Christmas and we think, oh yeah, it's another Christmas. We don't understand the urgency of Christmas, of the urgency of the immediate action that God needed to take. What life was like before Christmas happened? Can you imagine if this never existed? Life before this baby came, Paul says this. We were in slavery under the spiritual forces of the world. And then in verse 4 he says, but when the set time had fully come. There's that kairos again. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. That's us. And the difference between this kairos moment of Christmas and every other moment that we've talked about tonight, whether it's getting married or having kids or your first job or your first house or whatever it was, the difference between this moment and Christmas and every other moment is this one has the potential and does have the potential to make an impact on your life for eternity. 
Nothing in your else in your life can claim that. Only the God of the universe can change your life for eternity. And yet Paul says before that happened, we were up a crick without a paddle. We were in a mess. We were lost. Paul says we were in slavery, but that's modest at best. Paul defines it as slavery, but we were broken. We were lost. We were living in darkness. God's people were a mess. We lived in a world at war full of evil and violence and corruption. I was just describing first century Palestine, but I get the feeling I could have just been describing 2013. Right here, right now. I was talking to my wife this past week as we were thinking about some of our plans for the new year, and we both just looked at each other and said, this has been a hard year. Did anybody resonate with that tonight? 2016 has been hard, maybe not just for you personally, but for us as a, as a nation, as a, as a world, and we're like, we are ready for 2017. We are ready for a fresh start, and that's the sense of urgency that existed in the world before this baby Came. Paul says we were under the law, meaning before this baby came, there was no hope. The only hope for us was to try to be better, to try to measure up, to try to clean up our lives, to pretend that we could be perfect when measured up to a holy and perfect God. How's the striving for perfection thing going for you these days? Anybody want to volunteer? Not so much. There's a gap. We know it. We don't want to talk about it because it seems this churchy thing and this religious thing, especially those of us that are here tonight, that you're saying, this isn't my normal crowd. I'm not a churchy person. Great news for you. Neither was this baby that became a man who is your savior. He might have been the least churchy person that you would have ever meet, but he changed people's lives forever. And he's here tonight not offering you more religion. He's offering you a relationship that's going to impact your life forever. Right here, right now, we were lost, we were dying in our sin. That's the bad news, but there's good news. God reached down. God literally reached down to rescue us. Several years ago, I was talking with a friend that I used to do ministry with, and he was telling me a story of his childhood when he was young. He was, had a younger brother that was two years younger. So this was around, he was 10 and he was eight and they were farm boys. Some of you grew up on a farm here in Iowa or in the Midwest and you're gonna know exactly what I'm talking about. Farm boys find all sorts of nonsense and trouble to get into during the summer days, especially when the harvest is plentiful and the grain's coming in and there was a huge uh, grain truck full of corn, full of grain. To them, it's the world's biggest swimming pool. You know what I'm talking about? And so they climb up 20, 25 feet this one summer day under the side of this giant grain bin full of corn. And they climb up, and they didn't know that it's actually 15 feet down, but when they first jump in, it's like, oh, that was fun. And they hop right back up, and they did that a few times until the little boy, his younger brother, the 8-year-old boy, jumped in one time. They were doing somersaults and flip-flops and cannonballs and can openers, and he jumped in only this time he didn't come back up. Instead, my friend said, as, as he watched his little brother, he could just see a swirl of the grain going down and just heard this shrieking cry as he got sucked down in this giant grain bin and the truck and the tractor were there and his dad was up at the house and he didn't know what to do. And it's like, my brother is, is literally drowning. And so the only thing he could think of in this 
urgency in this situation that demanded immediate action. All he could think of to do in his little 10-year-old mind was to cry out with everything that was in him and say, Dad! Dad! Daddy! And up from the house, their dad heard his cry, and he came running down off the farmhouse porch, sprinted across the farmyard, climbed up the top of the grain truck, the bin, and jumped in, disappeared for a while, and popped back up with his little boy wrapped in his arms, carried him down the side of the bin, and laid him on the ground. And my friend, watching all this, he said, the only thing I can remember, I can remember it like it was yesterday, of my dad holding him so tight, saying, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. And we will never understand the gravity of Christmas, the gospel, the good news of this night, until you and I Understand that we are all that little boy, lost and drowning in our sin, and because of our sin, our apparent death. And yet, God reached down right here, right now on this very night. He saved us, and he continues to save us every day. We need saving from ourselves. We need the gospel preached to us every single day, not just on Christmas or Easter, but every single day we are in need of a Savior. The people, the people that get Christmas the best are the people that understand that they need a Savior the most. That God reached down, and we have a God that didn't stay up in heaven but ran off the front porch of heaven and ran down into our broken, messy world and reached down and saved us when we could not save ourselves. And although this rescue started on Christmas, it ended on an old Roman cross. That's why we have a giant cross up here. Most former car dealerships don't have a giant cross in them, in the mechanics room, which you're sitting in right now. We do. We do. I had a little boy walk in here when we were building this building. He walked in. The first thing he said was, whoa, dude, that's a huge cross. Yeah, you better believe it is. Because although we are great sinners, we have a great Savior. And that's why we celebrate Christmas, because God reached down, and in exchange for our sin and death, God gives us life. He doesn't want to take anything from you tonight. He wants to give you life. Paul puts it this way. I love this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time, the right time is now. Today is the time of your salvation. Right before that, in verse 1, he just got done saying this. He says, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. (laughs) You're going to get some Christmas gifts probably tonight, tomorrow, I don't know, maybe you already have. How ridiculous would it be to get the gift and ignore it? And set it aside. And how crazy would it be to get a marvelous gift John. and not do it? John. Uh, John. Yeah, who, who is that? Hi, John. It's Chad. Oh, it's Chad. Hi, yeah. Chad. Hi. Um, how are you? What in the world are you doing? Well, I, heard, I, I, I was in the, in the back eating sermon. cookies. Yeah. Really good cookies, by All the way. All the good cookies. Yep, yeah. absolutely. And, so, and I heard you talking about amazing gifts Amazing gifts, yep. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I so, wanted to come and show you this amazing gift. Um, wow, that you got skis. Wow, you got this. Yeah, for, um, I did. This is the best Christmas gift ever, skis and the poles. And the poles. Chad, I hate to tell you this. This is the best time for that right now for show and tell. I'm kind of in the middle of a sermon. And Gray's here hanging out. Probably not the what, best time to isn't share. Isn't there a better time in the present, that. right? Well, yeah, well, you got... Yeah, I, mean, I got my skis. You got your skis. It snowed outside. It did snow outside. Yep, there's a little and bit of snow. And the best Christmas present ever, wow. skis and the poles. That is awesome. So I'm guessing, man, you've already hit the slopes. You've you've gone to Boone uh, somewhere, and you've hit the slopes. Or you cross-country skied here on Ingersoll, and you slid right. I mean, I'm sure you've used them. No, 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 no. Yeah. no. These yeah. are way too nice to use out there. You're telling me you got brand new skis and poles for Christmas and you're not going to ever use them at no. all? No. Ever? No. No, I'm, I'm just... I'm <laughs> what just are you going to do with I'm them? I'm just going to set them down and I'm just going to stand here and I'm going to admire them. They're so pretty. They're, they're, they're really red. pretty. They're cute. They're, they're red. It's a cyclone color. It's unfortunate. But they're, they're cute. They're really nice. It's nice. Ha, I saw ha, your hat ha. there. Yeah. Your, Funny, your scarf man. So you're just going to look at them. You're not going to do well, anything. Well, yeah. Oh, and, and, and yeah. I'm also going to do, yeah, do, do this. What do you got Hold on. in there? What? Uh, some, a book? Yeah, I got a okay. book. What, what, mm -hmm. what, what is this? Downhill skiing for dummies. Yeah. Okay, great. Awesome. Yeah. So you've got the book. You've got the... I've read it cover to cover. Okay, time out. Wait a minute. You're what? telling me that you got brand new skis, brand new poles, and you have read Skiing for Dummies cover to cover, yes. and yet you never plan on actually going skiing. Oh, no, no, no. Here, but I got what? a great, I got a great what? idea, though. Here. Oh, okay. Wow. Ready, 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 nice. ready, ready. Phone, okay. What? Uh, I feel like I'm in the way. Excuse me. What, what are you doing? Am I supposed to be filming this or something? What? Yo, Chad, hey. It's the what? mannequin challenge. Oh, you're doing the mannequin challenge. Okay. So am I supposed to be like, Chad, um, I hate to break it to you. The mannequin challenge is like for groups of people. Like everybody does it together. It's not just for one person. Oh. Yeah, lots of people together. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. That explains why my videos weren't any good. No, they're terrible. Yeah, a lot of selfies, I'm guessing. Like, yeah. yeah oh, if you're going to do a mannequin oh, challenge, oh. you do it with a group of people, and they all, like, <laughs> like freeze. Like group of people we have here? <laughs> Everybody stand up. Come like on, stand up. Stand up. Come on. We're really doing this. Thank yeah, you. you yeah, you can stand, stand up. up. That's fine. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Like, you're really doing this on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. We're going to do mannequin challenge. Okay. okay? And, and it's a roller coaster. But hands up. Hands up. We're and then freeze. Freeze. So we should, like... Act like we're going on this a This is a mannequin challenge. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Somebody laugh. Does that count? <laughs> Woo! All right. Uh. We really just did that on Christmas Eve. People are... You can sit down. Please sit down. Yeah, absolutely. So, Chad, you're telling me you got brand new skis. Yep. You got brand new poles. Uh-huh. You have a downhill skiing book uh -huh. for dummies. Yep. And yet you are never actually going to go out on the slopes and experience the thrill of heading down a triple black diamond with the wind blowing in your face and your flaps are flapping, Clark Griswold, and going down and going, everybody cheering. You're never going to actually experience what it's like to do something with your gift. No. Ever. No. I got, I got a great idea, though. What are you going to do? I'm going to imagine it. You're just going to imagine. You're going to think about it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm going to imagine it. Well, Chad, I hate to break it to you, but um, we got to continue on with the message. I really appreciate you coming well, up for show and tell time awesome and everything. Gift. Yeah, I really hope that you actually get out yeah. and, and go skiing. Everybody, yeah, thank maybe. Chad Merry for coming Christmas, up. Merry Christmas, everybody. It. Yeah. Um, amazing what happens and what you can force your brother-in-law to do on Christmas Eve. Um, thanks, Bill, for that. Um, tell you what, it's really funny, and yet it's really close to home as well. How silly would it be to get a, such an amazing gift but never actually do anything with it? And the reality is, Paul says this, we just read it in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gifts of God's kindness, and then ignore it. The danger of tonight is that you would see God's gift to you in a very similar way because for some of you, you're going to sing the songs tonight and you're going to pray the prayers. You're going to get the gift. You're going to hear the message of God's love for you and then you are going to go right back to work on Monday morning into normal life that you've maybe decided has really nothing to do with this and go back to your normal life of surviving and getting through the week and managing your stress a little bit better and trying to be a good person and then expecting your heart to get filled up. Figuratively, for some of you, your skis have been in the garage for way too long and you're missing it. Your skis have been in the garage and you've never experienced the thrill of following Jesus every single day and what it's like to have a relationship with the God that created you, with the God that loves you, with the God that knows you better than anybody else, including yourself. To, to experience what it's like to have authentic community with, with people every single week that are broken and hurting and messed up and dare I say a bunch of hypocrites. Yeah, I said that. You're sitting in a church of a whole bunch of hypocrites. Welcome. You fit right in. We're all here together. I've got issues, and you've got issues, and that's why we're here. That's the kind of church this is. To experience the, the thrill of hitting the slopes and, and, and serving somebody outside of yourself and worshiping God with everything that you are and following Jesus every single day. Today is the day of your salvation, Paul says, to hit the slopes and start living. Such a simple message, but it often gets lost in all the distractions and all the clutter of this time of year. And nobody knows that better than this guy discovered his story named Ron Cutliffe. And I want to share his story with you in this next little video. And he takes this invitation of God's love into the most distracted, noisy, busy, cluttered place you can think of. Right into the heart of New York City. Watch what happens when the message of Christmas invades people, maybe a little bit like us that are tired, busy, stressed out, with noisy lives. Just watch what happens. You can see it in his eyes, how much he just wants people to get it. No billboards make people stop anymore, because our world is saturated with noise. But a tiny baby made people stop. Will you stop? Will you slow down and understand the invitation that's being made to you tonight, right here, right now? Today is the day of your salvation. Don't just accept the gift, experience it. 
I love what Ron said. He said, New Yorkers have all these walls built up. All these walls built up between them and a relationship with God, and yet I, I don't think that the New Yorkers are the only one. I think all of us have walls that we build up. What are your walls tonight? Do you really think that this God couldn't show up and invade some area of your life that you think is inaccessible to him? Read the Christmas story. Dig a little bit deeper. As you continue in the Christmas story, still in Luke chapter 2, there were those who thought they were pretty unlikely for God to show up as well, and yet they were the first ones to hear the message. And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. you got to know this about the shepherds. They get a lot of publicity this time of year because they're in the Christmas story. And yet these were some of the most ungodly, ruthless, just scum of the earth outcasts that you would ever meet in Jesus' day. The reason that they were out in the fields is because they were out cast is because they had been kicked out of the city most likely for being some sort of notorious sinners for being some sort of thieves or burglars or people that nobody else wanted around you know those people in your life that are those people yeah that's the shepherds most of them probably homeless like the busloads of homeless folks from shelters that we had sitting in those very these very seats last night the least likely people that God would show up to, and yet we continue the story. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for who? All the people. Not some people, not the people that agree with you on everything or see things the way that you do or look like you or dress like you or talk like you do or believe the same way that you do or vote like you do, but good news for all People, for unto you this day in the town of David a Savior has been born. For all people, including shepherds, for all people, including you. Especially maybe some of you tonight that have felt like you've ever been on the outside looking in on this whole church thing. The church is a broken, messed up, weird place because it's full of broken, messed up, weird people like shepherds watching their flocks out from where the action is, and yet the action came to them right here, right now. It's no wonder that Jesus shows up to the shepherds first because later on in Jesus' ministry, people ask him, like, Jesus, what are you about? Are you about building big church buildings and getting lots of money and, and, and just telling people how bad they are and making them feel guilty? Jesus says, I actually didn't come for the, the, the people that are healthy. I came for the sick. I came for the people that need a doctor. I came for the people that, that don't have it all together. Jesus says, I didn't come for people that are put together on the outside. I didn't come for people that think their religion makes them better than everybody else and they want to shove it down your throat. I didn't come for those people. Jesus says, I came for the outcast. I came for the lonely, still looking for love in their life. I came for the addict that's in recovery for the third, fourth, fifth time. Jesus said, Christmas, Christmas is for, I came for the exhausted single mom who doesn't know if she can make it through another week, who doubts if she's a good enough parent. That's who Christmas is for. I came for the put-together businessman that 
although he thinks he has it all together and appears that way on the outside, he is utterly lonely on the inside. That's who Christmas is for. Jesus says, that's why I came. I, <laughs> I came for the 597 kids that live in this neighborhood and go to Edmonds Elementary School right up the hill. The 597 kids out of 598 who are on a free or reduced breakfast, lunch, and snack program for the weekend who are deathly afraid of going on Christmas break right now because they don't know where they're going to get their next meal. And this past week, thanks to many of you, we delivered hundreds and hundreds of Christmas gifts to those very families. That's what Christmas is about. Amen? And we, <laughs> and we don't say that to say, wow, look at us. We say that to say, wow, look at God. That, like, this is what he values. This is what he's about. Pay attention Pay attention to not just the fact that Jesus came this Christmas, but who he came to. And that's why this church has always been and will always be. Not a museum for saints, but a hospital for sinners like you and I. That's why we exist, and that's why Jesus came. But what I love about the shepherds, what I love about the shepherds is they're just so, like, blue-collar, salt-of-the-earth guys. The angels show up. They're overwhelmed. They're terrified. They get up off their backsides, and they pop up, and they go, Whoa! We got to do something about this. John's translation. We got to go right now. Let us go and see. Let's not just receive the gift and, and look at it and say, oh, cute, amazing, Christmas happened. Back to our normal lives. We got to go check it out for ourselves. We got to experience the gift ourselves. I don't want to wait because this message is so good. We had a gentleman here last night in that crowd. If this was Jesus' day, he'd probably be a shepherd and he brought his lighter last night. You know why? Because when it got close to Silent Night, we hadn't even started the song yet. He saw the candles coming up from the back. Nobody had their candles lit. He whips out his lighter. He didn't wait for the light to come down the row. And he's tilting his candles. He just lit it up right then. Boom. Silent Night. Christmas is here. He was ready for it. Are you ready? Are you ready to receive the gift? To not just receive it, but experience it. This story comes back to my mind it was actually this time of year last year I don't know why I went but I scored a ticket to a game in enemy territory at Hilton Coliseum and so I went because it was free it was a free gift it was a free ticket it was a exhibition game and so I went and there I was in Hilton and I walked in way up in the nosebleed section it was a preseason game so I'm like okay if I don't get there right on time but I got there a few minutes beforehand, and I, I noticed something. Everybody was kind of getting excited, and there was a buzz in the arena, except I looked down on the court, and it was mostly filled except like 10 or 15 seats. There was like a few guys in there, and all, most of the seats were empty, and then a few of the guys were right there courtside like this. They're on their phones, and I just wanted to yell down like, you're missing it! <laughs> you're missing, you got front row seats to a college basketball game. Like, I base my year around preseason, midseason, and postseason college basketball. Like, I want to be down there, but you're down there. And I just wanted to say you're missing it. And right next to me, up, about 10 rows, could not have been a different story. I looked up, and there was a guy that was just completely going nuts 
for the Cyclones. He was decked out in Iowa State. I mean, he looked like Chad. He was decked out in Iowa State here. He had uh, like a 1984 Cyclone gear uh, sweatshirt on. He was just going crazy. He had his hot dog and his popcorn and his, and his pop. He was drinking and, and, and eating it all at the same time and jumping up and down and, and going with the burrito pump on the Jumbotron and just going crazy and screaming and cheering. And then the game got started. And uh, he was pumped, and the whole time, just cheering loudly, he was on his radio, uh, listening to the radio broadcast while he was watching the game, as I later find out would make a lot of sense, and he's just going crazy, and with every big dunk or three-pointer, he'd get on the phone and say, did you see that? I'm like, who is he talking to? Like, just be at the game. Did you see that? I can't believe I'm here. Did you see what just happened? You, we're winning. This is amazing. It was like it was a close game or something. It was a preseason game. You would have thought it was the final four, but they were playing like East Middle Tennessee State Department of Natural Resources or something like that. I don't know who they were playing, but it was a preseason game, and he was pumped, and he was all over it. Iowa State won by like 80 points or something like that, but he was there to the bitter end. Like there was five people left maybe when the buzzer went off, and I'm like, I got to meet this guy. So I walk up, I meet him, and let's just say his name's Randy, and I, I meet him, and I say, dude, I didn't say I was a Hawkeye fan, but I said, dude, what is going on with you? Like what's your deal? And he's, he, he's literally shaking. Like the, you know when your paper gets moist because your hand's so sweaty? This is my ticket. I kept it. And I'm sure he kept his because he had it gripped the entire game. And he said, um, well, I, I listen to every game on the radio. I, I don't have a TV, but I listen to every game on the radio. I've been a Cyclone fan my whole life, probably in his 40s. And he said this year around Christmas time, my family fell on some hard times. And uh, I had to move in with my sister. It's kind of humiliating. And he's shaking with his hand. He said, but my family, they all, they knew how much of a fan I was, and they all pitched together, and they got me this ticket. It was like the best gift I'd ever received. He said, I've been looking forward to this night for months. That's why I was here before the security guards would actually let me in the building. It was two hours before the game. But I was here because I wasn't going to miss it for the world. And he said, funds have been kind of tight, and I've been looking forward to this night forever. And I I'm trying to fight back tears in that moment, thinking of how many times I've taken this experience for granted, remembering that the buddy that I was with before I met Randy looked down on all those empty seats and said, I, I guess they've just gotten used to it. I guess they've just gotten used to this amazing opportunity, this invitation that's right in front of them. I said, Randy, man, these are like the nose, I'm sorry about the bad seats. And he's like, oh, I... I don't care, he said. I don't mind. I wouldn't have missed this for anything. Please don't miss the point of all this tonight. Because I think Randy gets Christmas more than, more than I do often, maybe more than some of you. The heartbeat of Christmas is that we don't just receive the gift you actually go and experience what the gift was meant for. And that's living life following Jesus Christ every single day. That eternity is wrapped up for you. There could be no better gift. There could be no more important, urgent action, urgent invitation. I wouldn't have missed it for anything. And that's the offer of Jesus right here, right now. The time is now Hold out your hand and God says, 
Take the ticket. Take the ticket tonight. Receive my free gift to you. It's a free ticket. It's still free, and it's free for you. It was bought at a price, but it's still free. Receive the gift of my unconditional love and my peace that surpasses all your understanding. Real joy, real peace, and my unconditional love for you tonight. Don't miss it. It's a kairos moment. It's urgent, and it demands immediate action. Sometimes we do need a sense of urgency to remind us of what matters most. And as I do this time of year, this is my new tradition. I sit in front of my computer and I watch sappy holiday commercial YouTube videos. Because that's what I do. And I'm a pretty emotional guy and I'm not afraid to say that. Because I think that real men cry. A lot. And I came across this random commercial from some German company. There's subtitles on the bottom, so pay attention. It'll go by really quick. Don't miss it. Don't miss the point. Don't miss the message and the urgency, the urgency of responding. Let's take a look. It's YouTube commercials. They'll get you every time. <laughs> do, you, do you see the look that the son gave his dad at the end? It's like the light bulb came on. It's like a candle was lit in his mind and in his heart, and like he got it. I've been missing it this entire time, and now it all makes sense. See a little subtitle at the end? It's time to come home. Right here, right now, in this moment, don't wait. It's time to figure out what matters most in life and to discover what's going to matter for eternity. In this Kairos moment, receiving the gift of God's love for you, it's time to come home to a God that loves you. It's time to come home to a church family that's not perfect. But man, do we try to love each other well and try to make an impact in the world around us because that's what Jesus did. He changed lives forever and he can change your life tonight. On this set apart, holy night divine, this holy night for you, Christmas is for you on this holy night. night divine, holy night, a set-apart night, a kairos moment, the moment when the light bulb or the flame kicks on and you realize and you understand what matters most in this life. A God who came from heaven to earth, who claims to be the light of the world, that shines in the darkness of our world and even the darkness of our hearts tonight to remind us that you are never alone. You are never alone. That his light will always shine. This candle that you hold in front of you tonight is more than just a religious symbol or some tradition that we do in churches on Christmas Eve. It's the light of God's love 
for you. That's why you have one in front of you tonight. Because God's love, his light, his love is for you. So as we join our voices together and as we sing tonight, may you sing and know that this silent night, this holy set-apart night, God's whispering your name. It's time. It's time.